Good morning. Welcome to Anastasia Church. We are so honored by your presence this morning. We thank you for choosing to worship with us this morning. 
If, to if today is your first visit with us, a very extra special welcome to you. We would love to meet you. There is a welcome desk located in the atrium, and there will be people manning that desk after the service that would like to meet you face to face. We have a special gift to give you, and we can also answer questions that you may have. We also have a digital platform for communication to make it easy for you to reach us any time of day or night. Those numbers are on the screen behind me, and you can reach out with questions, with prayer requests, and we will get in touch with you very quickly, and we thank you for reaching out to us. On Sunday, De December, wow. It is the most wonderful time of the year. And my favorite month, because it's my birthday and Christmas, but we're gonna wait. And we're going to talk about May. On May 15th, we are having a beach baptism in the afternoon. If you've never followed Christ in believer's baptism and you would like to take that walk of faith in your journey with Christ, we would love to talk with you about that. That is on Sunday the 15th at 2 o'clock at the beach. And on Sunday the 22nd at 4 p.m., we are having a very special congregation meeting to take a vote towards the next steps to move forward with construction of our new family life building. So we encourage you to put that date on your calendar. That's the 22nd of May at 4 o'clock. Also, coming up in June is our greatest outreach to our community that we do on a yearly basis, and that is Vacation Bible School. We reach more children with that one-week event than anything else we do throughout the year. We would love for you to pray for us. Pray that God will send us the volunteers that we need and that God will begin even now preparing the hearts of the children that he will send our way. We could not put on this week-long ministry without many, many volunteers. And there is a table in the atrium where you can go for information to sign up if you'd like to volunteer. They can let you know areas where we have openings. And you can even volunteer in ways other than your time if you're not available that week. There are ways that you can volunteer by making donations, helping with artwork, painting of our stage props. The ladies in the atrium can answer all those questions for you. And tomorrow, registration begins online for children to attend Vacation Bible School. So if you have children, grandchildren, neighbors that you want to get plugged in, we encourage you to reach out and let them know that that will happen tomorrow. Lastly, this past week, the majority of our staff had the honor and privilege of traveling to Dallas, Texas to attend a church leadership conference at Watermark Church. And I want to thank you as a church for allowing us all to be gone, for giving of your tithes and offering to allow us to do that. It was a great time for us to get away, to get to know each other better on staff, to bond. We listened to some phenomenal speakers that encouraged us in our ministry and also in our personal walk with Christ. And Pastor Walter always makes sure that he's always good to make sure that we do something fun and it's not all heavy listening to serious conversations. So Thursday evening we had dinner and there was an opportunity to do something that's true Texas style. By the time I heard that Pastor Walter was riding a mechanical bull, it was over and I missed it. But I did get there in time to see Pastor Sam. So Pastor Sam, Pastor Jeremy Carlton rode the bull, and we decided to make it a contest who could stay on the longest. Matt Gadelman, our new facilities manager, won. 
I don't have that video, but Pastor David Elder is always there. Not to be left out. Not to be left out. He did stay on the longest because his horse never moved or cow. I don't know what it was, but we had a great time and just wanted to let you know that you follow a great man on Sunday mornings. And at this time, I'd like to turn it over to the bull rider himself. Well, as you can see, when Pastor Sam's picture was up there, there was no shadow. There was, it was a very clean picture because that bull was moving about like that for all the guys. But we're going to begin our time of worship this morning with a very special time, the Ordinance of Believer's Baptism. So I invite you to turn your attention to the baptistry and to Pastor Walter. following in believers baptism and uh, in that step of faith and so Blake I'm going to ask you the question what is your testimony today Jesus Christ is Lord Amen Then I baptize you my sister Blake Garrison in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit buried with death with Christ in his death and raised to walk in newness of life This is Blake's twin sister. This is Reese. And Reese, sometime about a year ago, last May, she made her decision to trust in Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. So, Reese, what is your testimony this morning? That Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Then I baptize you, my sister, Reese Garrison, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in his death. Raised to walk in newness of life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these young people that have come. Making that lifelong commitment to trust in you as Savior and Lord. And, and Jesus, I just pray that their paths will be straight in you. I pray that we as church would encourage them in their walk. Lord, I pray that they would build us up as church. As we all look to you, the head. Look to you, the hope of glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. God's Word tells us to stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. It then continues, but it now addresses God himself. It says, Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. So let's do as God's word commands. Let's stand up together and bless the glorious name of our God. Glorious. 
Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them how to pray, he began his model for prayer by addressing God as Father. And one becomes a father only by having children. So right away, Jesus confirmed the importance of children to God. That high regard that God has for children is displayed throughout the Bible. For instance, in Proverbs, we read, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So God is concerned that children are provided for. James, the half-brother of Jesus, equated the sincerity of our faith with how we care for children and for widows. He wrote, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. At least twice in his teaching ministry, Jesus made spending time with children a priority. In Matthew's gospel, we read, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven 
Their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Then on another occasion, we read that they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. Read with me the remainder of this passage. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the doing of his word. So a church that accurately reflects Jesus will value what Jesus values. And here at Anastasia, we value children because Jesus does. And there's a family here who leads us to express that concern for children in a real and a very tangible way. So I'm going to invite Pastor Sam, if he can climb off of his mechanical bull long enough, to come up here. And, uh, and whoever else is coming, and you can take us down this road. Thanks, Pastor David. I want to invite the Lewis family to come up here. You know, there has been a, an incredible, important, valuable ministry that we've had here at Anastasia for the last 20 years. And it's our annual Easter egg hunt that we, that we uh, host here. And this family, Lewis family, Scott and uh, Sarah and Billy and Katie is missing, um, have hosted and helped put on this, this Easter egg hunt for 20 years. And it all started when Sarah asked Scott one day, Daddy, why doesn't our church have an Easter egg hunt? Well, as if you have a daughter, then you know that there was an Easter hunt, egg hunt the next year, right? And so that has been our tradition. But they have gone above and beyond uh, these last 20 years to ensure that our children are loved that they feel welcomed in our church. In this past Easter egg hunt, we had over 400 kids and over 1,000 people attend our annual Easter egg hunt. So it's such a valuable ministry. And so we just want to thank them. So can we do that? Just show a round of applause and thank you for their ministry. We are so grateful for them. And we want to bestow upon them the highest of honors. We would like to present the golden egg to Scott. In the Lewis family and a chocolate Easter bunny. So we're so grateful for them. And uh, if you'll just join me in praying over them and their ministry and how they've blessed our church. Lord, we, we are so grateful for the Lewis family. Just thankful for how they have ministered and cared for so many kids throughout the years here at Anastasia. And how many lives they have impacted and, and reached because of their vision and their heart to serve. And so, God, we're so grateful for them. Pray that you continue to use them in power. And, God, uh, we love you so much. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church family. That's not every church that brings a golden egg like that right up here. So as people who claim to be people of the Bible, like, like we do, we don't have the option to say, I think I will read the Bible, but not do it. I will honor the Bible, but not do it. We're called to live out what we say we believe. Let's stand and let's sing.
Before I pray for our offering this morning, I just want to share with you this week, I had a chance to have a phone call with a couple, and they asked a question. We don't understand what it is to, to be saved. What a wonderful thing for someone to ask. And so on the phone, we have two new people in the kingdom. And I just rejoice in that. That's what we do here. And it happens that we may have some fun like the staff had this week, and we thank you for that. And because of the generosity of this body of believers, our staff could go away and do the things that they did this week and hear wonderful speakers. So I praise the Lord for that. So let's pray together about our offering. I thank you again, Lord, that you're so willing to uh, allow this church to be generous back to you. And you allow our staff to go away and be refreshed and renewed. You allowed two new people come into the kingdom. Lord, you're just a wonderful God. And I thank you for the gifts and the offering and the generosity. And we praise you for your goodness to us in Jesus' name. give ourselves as this offering. We lift our voices, we lift our hands, we lift our lives up to you. We are an offering. Lord, use our voices. Lord, use our hands. Lord, our lives, they are yours. We are an offering. All that we have, all that we are, all that we hope to be, we give to you. We give to you. 
Joining me on stage is Ethan Gettleman. Ethan is the son of, of Matt and Hanley, both of whom serve here. He's playing a song on this instrument. It's called a marimba that he's played in, uh, in competition and received the highest uh, honors that there can be. Thank you for coming and playing, Ethan.
talking, I'm, I'm just so amazed. I remember when you were just a little, little boy. How did you learn to do stuff like that? Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that inspiring? Yeah, thank you for sharing your gifts with us. Wow, I'm so impressed. And before I get into the message, I do want to say thank you, uh, church, for allowing the staff to go on a, on a time of a much-needed rest and re-inspiration. It's been a long two years for us as we've tried to navigate pandemic just like you have. And uh, just those unique situations that we deal with as uh, ministry staff, we're able to have some time to to reflect and to bond and heal and move on and get inspired. And so thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for that opportunity. And thank you, Tamara, for not taking a picture of me on the mechanical bowl. I'm grateful for that, too. I do want to mention also that we're going to have in in four weeks... We're going to have a a business meeting, and there's just going to be one item on that business meeting. It's whether to move forward on the construction of a family ministry center here. That's a preschool, children, and youth center. If you want to uh, uh, see more about it, there's a display out in the atrium, and you could always use that that telephone number that we give and just text the message 4G, smush together the number 4G, and it'll give you the link where you can see uh, pictures and floor plans and things like that. Um, but um, we have been, this is something that's been our heart for a long time. Having a, an updated children's building was something that I've talked 20 years ago with our children's leadership, uh, something that was desperately needed. And, um, and then seven years ago, when we paid off the debt of the CLC, we said, that's the next building. That's the next thing we need to really focus is have a safe and secure an updated place for our preschoolers, children, and youth. And so we, we announced that vision seven years ago. Um, four years ago, we felt it was the time to put together the building steering committee. And the building steering committee has been working under the leadership of Roy Jones. Thank you, Roy. Uh, very faithfully for the last four years and have worked diligently, very hard, uh, had, had gone over detail after detail after ad infinitum detail and uh, have done such a great job. And, and because of the uh, economic situation, the rising interest rates that we're expecting and costs that are going, uh, uh, they've convinced me, I, I believe them, that this is the time to start building the building. Uh, and so we're going to vote in four weeks whether to move forward with that. We can't move forward without the congregation's approval. I want you to uh, pray about that because it's not just a commitment to go to construction it's a commitment to pay for the building once we go into construction. And so we already have four and a half million in the bank already. Uh, they project that we would be half paid off by the time we get into the building. That's the situation. So we're going to vote in four weeks about that. So would you please be in prayer? Please be in prayer about that decision. Now, um, last week we kicked off a message series. We're calling it Radical Reality. And what we're focusing on is the the red letter words of Jesus Christ. Now, if you were here last week, you heard a very powerful message from our, our youth pastor, Jeremy Carlton, that one of, the, uh, one of the radical reality truths that are in the red letters is that not everybody will go to heaven, but everybody can. And the only way you get to heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, today I have another red letter teaching. It came directly from the heart and mouth of Jesus himself. And this is the radical reality. We need to care for those no one else will care for. That's what Jesus said. We need to care for those that no one else will care for. Because we're surrounded by people who have needs. We're surrounded by lots of people who have needs. And instead of treating them as invisible, we should consider them as God sees them, as precious 
and important. So I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, red letter words of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to start reading at verse 31. And I'm going to ask that you stand in honor of God's word. This is what Jesus said. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he'll sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he'll separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Wow. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he'll answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your teaching, Lord. We thank you that, that you show us that your eyes are open more than ours are. And Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes, that you would soften our hearts, Lord, that you would, you would have us relate to this world as you related to this world, that while we were still sinners, Lord, you died for us. And Lord, uh, thank you. For the power of your word. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. The radical reality, the reality that the rest of the world really doesn't doesn't really embrace is that the least of these, the least of these, the people that are invisible, the people that are disposable, the so many of us are precious and important to the heart of Jesus. Uh, I want to unpack these verses in these next few minutes. In verse 31 and 32, it gives us the context. And it says here, when the Son of Man comes in his glory. Now, what are we talking about here? We're talking about the second coming of Jesus, right? We're talking about a Revelation 20 event. We're talking about when Jesus is coming down with all his angels. And it says he will sit on his glorious throne. This is Revelation chapter 20. This is the great white throne of judgment. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to separate He's going to make some judgments. So this is a judgment throne. The judgment throne belongs to Jesus Christ and to Jesus alone. We got that? It belongs to Jesus and Jesus alone. And the sheep are going to represent those who serve the Lord. And the goats represent those who do not serve the Lord. Now, later in the passage, we're going to find the excuse for not serving the Lord. They're going to say, well, we didn't see what you saw. 
We didn't, we didn't see that. And, and people made their own judgments. People were judging whether I should treat this person well or that person not well. And they were making their own judgments. What they were doing in actuality was they were trying to climb into the judgment throne of God. And if we're going to treat people the way Jesus tells us to treat people, if we're going to care for those no one else will come from, uh, no, no one else will care, no, no others will care for, then we need to stop judging. That's the first point I want to make. Uh, we need to stop judging. We got to get out of Jesus's chair. We got to stop judging. We got to get out of God's chair. Okay. Uh, Cause in the flesh we judge. Don't we do that? We judge this person is worthy and this person is not this person. We should lavish love on and help and empathy and this person we shouldn't. Uh, and in the flesh, we also dehumanize and we might compare people to animals. We don't think of them the same way we think about the people that we love. And what we're doing when we do that is we're denying what God said, that all people are created in his image. Jesus gave us a radical truth. Here's, here's the radical truth, how we say it in Anastasia. Every person is important. It's one of our core values. Every person is important. We got core values here at Anastasia, six of them, okay? Jesus is the way. The Bible is the map. Disciple-making is our mission. Love is our greatest command. Serving is our privilege. And every person is important. Why is that a core value? Because it's in the red letters. These are all teachings that Jesus Christ told us. So we're trying to stay in these red letters here. Every person is important. Every person's worthy of love and care. And so I got to stop pretending that I have any ability or I have any right to place any value on any other human being. That's not my job, okay? I leave the judgment to God. Now, we can discern attitudes and behaviors, and we should, okay? And we can discern between God's will and what is not God's will, what is God's will and what is the flesh, and we should. We should be doing that as well. But when it comes to souls, we cannot judge. So in surrender and humility, I need to defer all that to Jesus. But until he makes that judgment, every person is important. And I want to relate to every person as though they're important and valuable in the eyes of God because they are. Now, the next thing I want to talk about comes from verses 34, 35, and 36. And, and he's talking to the righteous, the ones that are going to inherit the, the kingdom of heaven, the ones that were faithful, the sheep, the sheep. The sheep are good, by the way. Sometimes you hear, I don't want to be a sheep. <laughs> Do you hear that? ever hear someone say, I'm not a sheep? Well, I'm, I'm a sheep. I'm the sheep of his pasture. I'm proud of it. Okay. Jesus always talked about sheep as part of his own, being part of his flock. So when someone says they're not sheep, I say, you do what you want. You say what you want to say. <laughs> Jesus called me a sheep. I'm proud to be called anything he calls me. For I was hungry and you gave me food. There was an action that took place. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. There was an action that took place. I was a stranger and you did something. You welcomed me. I, I, I was naked and, and you did something. You clothed me. I was sick and, and you visited me. And I was in prison and you came to me. There was action that takes place. Whenever someone saw someone in need, there was an action that followed through. It wasn't just a response of apathy. You know, in caring for others, there's a certain amount of sacrifice. Sacrifice of time, abilities, and resources. I see some of us in this room. I, I mean, I'm so grateful for 
uh, Scott Lewis and his family, starting us 20 years ago with an Easter egg hunt. I'm seeing Bruce over here, back there. You go every so often to St. Francis' house and share, share food and, and the word of God, food for the soul, food for the body. I see people doing this. I'm so grateful for that. And that's a sacrifice. You have to take some time to do that. You have to take energy to do that. And we have to give up something of ourselves. It's like laying down our lives for somebody else, even if just for a moment. That's what he's calling us to do. So, so the next point is this. The first point is this. I've got to stop judging if I'm going to reach everybody, if I'm going to care for everyone. But then also, I need to sacrifice. I've got to give up my own chair. You know, I, can, I, I, can, I need to get out of God's chair, but I need to even give up my own chair. My, my chair, those are the things that are under my control, the things that I'm entitled to. Okay? At my house, I have my chair. Do any of you have your chair at your house? You have your chair? Okay. There is a place in my house that my body just fits like no other place. That's where I spend most of my time in my house. Now, we have family that comes over and visits us from time to time. And sometimes when we have a house full of guests, someone sits in my chair. <laughs> now, now I, I don't move them out of my chair. I mean, they're guests. Well, of course, I'm going to let them sit in my chair. <laughs> but I know where they are because... Because you know what? I got to find another place to sit and nothing fits me like my chair. Isn't that how we are? We have those things we just feel entitled to. Yeah. You might feel that way here in church. I know some of you have your place. I know. I know when you're not here because you're not here. Evelyn, I know when you're not here because you're always sitting here. But, you know, and, and that's okay to have that place you feel comfortable. As long as we don't Tell people, don't sit here, that's my chair. I went to a conference a few years ago in, in Chicago. It was a great conference. There are all these world-known preachers, and there were pastors and church planters and missionaries. I went to be encouraged, and, and Pastor Dan Ott, and I went there, and, and they have a time where they open up the doors, and I'm going to go find a place to sit. And it was hard to find a place to sit, but there was no one in the room. You know why? There were Bibles on these row of chairs, and there were sweaters on this row of chairs. There was one church that actually printed up little signs that said, reserved seating for, and they put their name in the church, brought it with them to the conference. And, and the message was very clear, okay? Message was clear. God is great. The gospel is alive. Jesus is powerful. And we're on a mission together, but don't sit here. No, that's my chair. That's my chair. Well, you know, we're going to have to give up our chair. If we really think other people are important, we have to give up our chair, those things that we're entitled to. You know, and this isn't, this isn't just non-Christians that feel this way. You know, this is something that's inside of, a, inside of our hearts. It's part of the flesh. Even, even the disciples had to deal with this. There was a time when, when one of the, the mothers of two of the disciples, James and John, said, Jesus, can you arrange for reserved seating for my, my sons in heaven? Remember that? He said, I want my son James not to be on the right hand and your left hand. And so I'd like to have reserved seating. And then here's what Jesus said to that mom in Matthew chapter 20. He said, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The higher you go up in the ranks, the higher privilege you have in the kingdom of heaven, the more you serve, Right? That's why we say serving is our privilege. That's another core value. Why do we say that? It's in the red letters. All our core values come from the red letters uh, of the word of God. So, so privilege and serving go hand in hand in the kingdom of God. So as a follower of Jesus, I don't just sacrifice. I get to sacrifice. I get to serve people that are not going to do anything for me. 
That's what Jesus did for us, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's not anything that you did that paid Jesus back for dying on the cross. So, and, and, and let me give you a word of encouragement. Whatever sacrifice you make, caring for those people that other people are forgetting, every sacrifice you make will be only earthly. It will not be eternal. You're not going to miss out on anything in heaven. Okay, because I believe there's no reserved seating in heaven, but I believe in heaven, every seat is VIP. Every seat is VIP. And so the only sacrifices we make are going to be earthly. Now, I see a lot of you that work very hard in um, serving others. And I'm just amazed at what people in our congregation do. We have church members that started an orphanage in Haiti to take care of those kids that no one else sees. We have church members right now in Moldova reaching Ukrainian refugees. And by the way, if you saw my email, I found out from them that they are now safe back where they're supposed to be after a very uh, intriguing and, and long and difficult mission that they had to go helping other Christians. Grateful for that. Um, and, and I see people all around uh, that do stuff. I have we have a church family that, that recently raised a significant amount of money for one more child. That's the Florida Baptist Children's Home. These are people that are doing amazing things. And uh, I'd like to invite someone up here just to give you their story. And this is Megan Russo. And let's give a warm Anastasia welcome to, to Megan. Megan, thank you for being up here. So glad that you could come and be a part of, of what we're doing here. Thank you. Good morning. Tell us about yourself, about your family and that sort of thing, and your connection to Anastasia. My name is Meg Russo. My husband and I have been here for about nine years now. Um, you may recognize my husband. He served here as a deacon before. He's currently a life group leader. Now, we would recognize him because he has this amazing beard, right? <laughs> he, he has the best beard of any deacon. He would like okay. to think that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, he works in the construction industry. I'm a stay-at-home mom to our five children. We're actually also licensed foster parents through one more child and have a total of seven children in our home right now. Wow, wow. So they have five kids, two foster kids, you're homeschooling, and you decided you didn't have enough time. Uh, you had too much time and you need to do something else, right? Okay, so what did you decide to do? What did God call you to do? I serve on the women's board for our local Teen Challenge Center. Teen Ch now, what is Teen Challenge? I think we have a picture of, of maybe some of the description of it, but tell us about Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge is a faith-based drug and alcohol recovery program. So it started out in the 50s with just teens and has now expanded worldwide to all age groups. Wow, wow. So, but there are a lot of rehab programs out there. Um, how come, why, why Teen Challenge? What makes Teen Challenge different? Yeah, there are one in seven Americans over the age of 12 that are affected by addiction in America. Um, and most recovery programs that you're going to go to have a very low recovery rate. Their relapse rate is very high, about 40 to 60 percent within the first few months after treatment. Um, treatment's usually 30, 60, 90 days, and success is based on just finishing out the program. Most treatment centers also believe that there's no cure for addiction. Mm -hmm. That is a chronic disease that just needs to be managed. Okay. What does Teen Challenge believe? And Teen Challenge believes that there is a cure for addiction, and that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus, a relationship with Jesus Christ is an answer to everything. Yes. Okay. Amen. Amen. That's great. So you, you found uh, Teen Challenge, and, uh, and um, how did you get involved? Let's show another picture here. This is... Uh, 
Who is this? One of the ladies that... Yes, this is one of the ladies who have graduated the program now pretty recently. Um, we were actually going to a church in Jacksonville about 12 years ago when we lived up there, and Teen Challenge came, and we're giving testimonies to our church at that time. Um, I had never heard about them, neither had Rob, and afterwards, Rob ended up sharing that one of the men that was giving his testimony was one of his very best high school friends and d didn't realize that he had struggled with this. And wow. so we've been involved in Teen Challenge ever since then. So it touched someone very personally in your husband's life, and so that got y'all in. Okay, good, good. So how do you serve? What do you do on the board? I serve on the board just with event planning, coordination, getting relationships with people like Anastasia that want to serve and connecting them with needs that Teen Challenge has. Okay, that is awesome. So, um, and you, uh, you did that. How, how can other people serve? It's a residential facility, so any needs or things that you are having for your home, Teen Challenge also needs just on a larger scale. There's a men's center and a women's center up in Jacksonville. I have a needs list in the atrium and different ways that people can okay. get plugged in. Okay. Um, you know, you have a choice. You, you could have served or chosen not to serve. Is there any, any insight you want to share with us and why you decided that, that you felt called to serve? I mean, because you are already serving two foster kids right now, five kids at your home. You're homeschooling. You're heavily invested in people. Is there something, some insight you'd share with us about the importance of serving? It's really been a blessing to us to be able to do that, working with not just foster, fostering and children and their families and trying to reconnect them, um, but the women and men in Teen Challenge, spending time with them and seeing how personal their relationship is with God. It's real. It has to be that way for them to overcome the struggles that they're facing. So that's been a real encouragement to us and helps us put ourselves out there more. Hey, well, well, thank you for sharing Jesus with them, and thank you for sharing your heart and your experience with us here. Let's give her another warm Anastasia. Welcome. Thank you so much for what you're doing. If you want to know more about Teen Challenge, uh, there's a, a table in the atrium, and, and Meg is going to be there. And uh, Megan represents, like I said, a lot of you. I'm amazed when I find out what so many of you do. Some of you are serving in ministry. You've never told me what you did. I find out years later uh, the, the amazing things that people in this church are doing, uh, people going to orphanages, prisons, uh, uh, halfway homes, all kinds of things. Do you know what makes us a powerful influence in the world? You know what the most spiritually powerful things happen are? It's not the stuff that just happens in this room. Now, what happens in this room? The Holy Spirit is here. I believe the presence of Jesus is here. And sometimes you just feel it. You can just, you can just feel the Holy Spirit working through this room. But what's more powerful is when God uses us and pushes us out into the world. And we take that influence into the world. So I want to thank all of you that are serving. Thank you, Meg. I want to thank all of you that are serving and doing something. Because what happens when, we get, when we're gathered, it's powerful. When we're scattered, we're more powerful. And to Jesus goes all the glory. Now, there's a couple of questions, or there's one question that both groups of people in the passage that we're looking at today asked. It was a question, and they, uh, they didn't understand what was going on, and, and the, righteous one said in verse, the righteous one said in verse 37 of Matthew 25, says, uh, the righteous said, Lord, when did we see you? When did we see you? I don't remember seeing you. I don't remember seeing you hungry. I don't remember seeing you thirsty. I don't remember seeing you 
naked or being a stranger. I didn't see you. When did we see you? And uh, the people that were unrighteous, they asked the exact same question. Lord, when did we see you? You know, what's interesting to me is that neither group fully understood the implication of their ministry or the implication of their lack of ministry until Jesus explained it to them. And I think understanding what we do and the spiritual ramifications of it, we won't understand that until until we have that relationship with Jesus, when Jesus explains it to us. But realize this, no one was reprimanded for a lack of understanding. They said, man, you guys are terrible because you didn't understand it. No, they were reprimanded for a lack of obedience. Knowledge of the Lord is a good thing. Obedience is better. It's great to go to all the Bible studies you can go to, but if it's not, if it's not bleeding out into service for the Lord, you're missing something. You're missing something. And so what I want to say is just start. Just start. This is the next point. Start serving. In faith, doing often comes before seeing. Just start serving. Start doing something. Faith requires follow through if it's going to be living faith. In James chapter 2, verse 15, it says this. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, that person is a jerk. This is the King Walter edition. What good is that? Okay, moving into a more standard version. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Okay? So in faith, we just got to start doing. We're not saved by doing. Don't get any of this wrong. You don't get to heaven by doing. It only comes by faith in Jesus Christ. But if you have faith and you truly understand what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, when you deserve nothing, you deserve nothing of heaven, if you fully understood that, then you just want to pour out that same sort of mercy and love onto everyone around us. So uh, what I want to share with you is this, that if I'm going to do that, everything happens in relationship to Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. It's trusting Jesus. It's being committed to Jesus. I'm trusting Jesus because I believe he's alive. Do you believe Jesus is alive? If you believe Jesus is alive, then you're going to follow him. Do you believe he is your Lord? If he's your Lord, you're going to follow him. And so the next words in verse 46, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. See, it's all about my relationship with Jesus. How do I relate to Jesus? How do I trust him? How do I follow him? How do I serve him? How do I show my faith in him? Well, one of those ways is I care for those no one else will care for. That's not going to save me. What saves me is my faith in Jesus Christ. But once I, once I trust in him, then I'm going to follow him in faith and I'm going to care for people no one else will care for. But like I said, it starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. It, tr- it starts with faith in him. And so I want to ask you today, do you have faith in Jesus? And ask yourself this question. Do you believe that Jesus is alive? Amen. Do you believe Jesus is alive? You personally. Do you believe that he is on his throne as that he is Lord? Have you committed to him as Lord? Are you trusting in him to take away all the forgiveness, take away all the sins, all the, all the ramifications for the sinfulness in your life? And if you do, if you do, then you know that you are saved. 
You know, the Bible says if you trust in him, if you love him, he'll take care of all the other work, okay? You just, you just concentrate on that relationship with him, believe in him, pray to him, study his words, and then follow him in what he calls you to do. And he'll take care of the rest. But if you've never done that, this is the day to trust him. That's where the water hits the wheel. Believe that Jesus is alive. Trust in him to forgive you wherever you failed. And take next steps following him. And one of those next steps are going to be caring for people no one else will care for. If you have that relationship with him, you'll be blessed. If you've not had that, can I just ask you right now, would you just examine your heart? Would you examine that heart? And would you just say to yourself, you know, if you've not done that, would you right now say, Lord Jesus, I'm trusting in you as my Lord and Savior? Would you make that decision? Even if you're embarrassed to say it in front of everybody else, would you, would you make that decision with him? Lord Jesus, I believe you're alive. I'm trusting in you as my Savior to forgive my sins. And I'm committing to follow you every day of my life. Would you make that commitment? Where it doesn't matter if you make it public or not, what's important is what you say to Jesus. Because I don't want anyone to leave this place not knowing the Jesus that brings us life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for the power of your word. And Lord, I pray that you would, you would help us to take next steps of faith. Lord, for some of us, it's going to be uh, baptism like these two beautiful girls this morning, or, or it's going to be uh, professing faith in you as Lord or, or, or joining us in church membership. For some of us, it's going to be a step of faith for, for seeing people in a way we've never seen them before and serving Lord in your name to people that no one else will care for. But Lord, whatever it is, help us not take the glory away from you. And Lord, let's, we give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor, because you are our Lord, you are our Savior, and you are our King. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand right now. If the Lord's calling you to respond publicly, I'll be here at the front just say, I want to be a member. I want to get baptized. I want Jesus as my Lord, and I will help you take those next steps of faith. Christians be committed to the service of the Lord. Make your lives for Him more fitted. Tune your hearts with one accord. Come into His courts with gladness. Each His sacred vows renew. Turn away from sin and sadness. Be transformed with life anew. Of your time and talents give him, they are gifts from God above. To be used by Christians freely, to proclaim his wondrous love. Come again to serve the Savior, tithes and all with you bring in your work with him find favor and with joy his praises sing God's command to love each other is required of everyone showing mercy to each other mirrors 
Receive your blessing from God's word. Be blessed by the Lord. For the eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. Go out now to care for others as a reflection of and in gratitude for how God cares for you. And all God's people who pledged to do so said, Amen. Amen.